Welcome to Asbury United Methodist Church. My name is Pastor Will. Thanks for joining our podcast. This is where you'll be able to find all of our sermons, as well as special devotionals and interviews. We hope these messages inspire hope and bring support as you grow on your journey of faith. If you have any questions, or if you want further conversation, or if you simply like what you hear, connect with Asbury through our Facebook page or by checking our website at asburymaitland.org. Well, we are in part five of our seven-part series for Lent and Easter that we're calling Including the Excluded, Including the Excluded. Uh, in these messages, we are exploring Jesus' ministry with excluded people, uh, marginalized people, in the third gospel, and that would be the gospel of Luke. And what we are doing in these sermons is we're first looking at these stories in their historical context, their scriptural context, and then from there, we're asking ourselves this question. How do these stories in Luke speak God's truth into our lives even out today, especially as we seek to embody the ministry of Jesus in this world? How do these stories in Luke speak God's truth into our lives even out today, especially as we seek by God's grace to embody the ministry of Jesus Christ um, in this world? Now, some of the stories that we're looking at have overlap with the other Gospels, such as Matthew and Mark. In other words, the story is not just found in Luke, it's also found in Matthew and Mark. Other stories, though, that we're looking at are unique to Luke. In other words, if Luke didn't share the story, we would have no knowledge of the story. And that's true for the story that we're going to look at today. This story that we're going to look at this morning is one of those stories that is only found and the Gospel of Luke. You will not find this story in any Gospel except for the Gospel of Luke, and that would be the story of Zacchaeus. Now, by show of hands, how many of you have ever heard of Zacchaeus before? And pretty much every hand is going up right now. He is a famous, famous Scripture character, isn't he? And a huge reason Zacchaeus is so famous and so well-known is that if we grew up in church, there was a song that we were taught about Zacchaeus. You know, what, you know what song I'm talking about? Okay, in case you don't, the lyrics are up here on the screen. I am not nearly as gifted as the folks in the choir, so I'm not going to sing this song. Otherwise, everybody would leave right now. But I will read these lyrics to you. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree. Some of you are really enthusiastic, and you're saying this with me. For the Lord, he wanted to see. And when the Savior passed that way, he looked up in the tree, and what did he say? Zacchaeus, you come down, for I'm coming to your house today. For I'm coming to your house today. I love your enthusiasm, Pastor Barber. Thank you so much. <laughs> Is it appropriate, by the way, to call somebody a wee little man? <laughs> not, in this age. not in this age, right? It's not politically correct. Regardless, though, this song is famous and well-known. In fact, as I was doing some work in this message, I went to Spotify.com, and I wanted to see where this song ranked as far as popularity goes. This song, I know you want to know this, this song is listed as number 13. In other words, it's the 13th most popular Bible song for children on Spotify. Do you know what the number one song is? 
Actually, Jesus Loves Me, This I Know is number two. The number one song is Jesus Loves the Little Children of the World. Uh, but this song, Zacchaeus, is number 13. And this song is responsible in large part for shaping our knowledge about the story of Zacchaeus. In fact, even as adults, as grown people, when we think of Zacchaeus, we refer to this song. The problem with that is if we take this song at face value, this song can make us assume that the only reason Zacchaeus was in that tree is that he was short. That wasn't the only reason. In fact, I don't think that was the main reason. Instead, the main reason Zacchaeus was in that tree was how he had treated other people. How he had treated other people. You see, folks, in Jesus' day, community was everything. Of course, community, it's still a big deal today in the 21st century, but community, in a lot of ways, was a bigger deal back then. I once heard a stat that said that 95% of the people back in biblical times did not necessarily know where their next meal was going to come from. So people needed each other for survival. You need to be able to trade goods with each other, rely on each other's skills, and you got a reputation back then based on the way that you treated people. And so Luke tells us, again, the story is only found in Luke, Luke tells us that Zacchaeus lived in the town of where? Do you remember? It's Jericho. And we have a map of Jericho up here on the screen. Um, as an aside, Jericho is the oldest city in the world. The oldest city in the world. And uh, it's located about 16 miles northeast of Jerusalem. And we'll talk about the importance of Jericho's um, proximity to Jerusalem in just a few moments. So Zacchaeus lived there in this community. And at some point, we don't know how long it had been, but at some point, Zacchaeus intentionally decided to step out of community by becoming what? A tax collector. Now, I realize that hardly anybody likes paying taxes. Who here loves to pay taxes? Okay, nobody's raising their hand right now. We know that taxes are important. They fund services that we need. But every year uh, during tax season, we want to find out what's the least amount of money that I need to pay in taxes. But in a lot of respects, paying taxes was far worse back then. Remember, 2,000 years ago, and we said this last week, 2,000 years ago, Israel was an occupied territory of what government? The Roman government. So what had happened about 100 years before Jesus, Rome had come in, seized the land where God's people were living, the very land that God had promised them, going all the way back to Abraham. So Rome seizes the land where God's people, the Israelites, are living, and then on top of that, imposes their government and their way of life upon the Jewish people, treating the Jewish people as second-class citizens. And here's what Rome did when it came to paying taxes. This is incredibly important to know. What Rome would do is they would come into a community like Jericho, and they would determine how much money the people of that community should pay in taxes. And they would do this based on a number of factors, such as population, um, how many people could work, how much produce they had, how much livestock they had. And then once all these economic factors were taken into account, they would come up with a number. 
And so Rome might say, okay, the people of Jericho, they should pay collectively about $100,000 a year in taxes. $100,000 a year, that whole community needs to pay to Rome. Here's what would happen next. Rome would bid out the right to collect taxes. So let's say for argument's sake that you're living back then and you're a wealthy person. You've got money. You're affluent. You're bidding for the right to collect taxes. Well, you could negotiate that rate. Maybe not pay $100,000, but you could say to Rome, hey, I'll pay you all this money, but I'll pay you $92,000. So you bring it down a little bit. So you pay the $92,000 out of your own pocket. Rome gets paid. Rome's happy. But now it's up to you to collect the money from the individual residents of the town. But do you want to collect the same amount of money that you pay to Rome? No. Otherwise, what's in it for you? You want to make a profit. Now, if you were a modest tax collector, you might charge 1%, 2%, 3% more. Do you think most tax collectors were modest? No. They would charge as much money as possible to line their own pockets. In fact, by the end, you might pay double what Rome expected you to pay. So maybe you were expected to pay um, $250, you would pay $500 in taxes. And so not only are you giving money to a government that you despise, a government that is treating you as less than, but on top of that, you are giving money to a Jewish person like you, somebody who has betrayed your own people. Do you realize why tax collectors were so notorious in Jesus' day? And here's what Luke is going to tell us about Zacchaeus. We're going to read this passage in just a moment. Luke is going to tell us Zacchaeus isn't just a general tax collector. He's the chief tax collector in the region. I don't think anywhere else in the Gospels that the words chief tax collector are ever used in reference to anybody except for Zacchaeus. Other tax collectors are mentioned. For example, Levi or Matthew, he was a disciple of Jesus. He was a tax collector. But only Zacchaeus is ever called the chief tax collector. This is Luke's way of saying this guy was rich. He was already rich to begin with when he bought the right to collect taxes. But then along the way, he became richer by exploiting poor people. Children would go to bed hungry because of people like Zacchaeus. What business would any of us want to have with somebody like that? One day, Luke tells us, Jesus is passing through Jericho on his way to Jerusalem. Now, why is Jesus going to Jerusalem? What's going to happen there? Well, what eventually happens in the Gospels? Jesus is crucified. Jerusalem is the holy city. So he's going to be crucified in Jerusalem. Luke is 24 chapters long. Zacchaeus' story is found in Luke 19. So we're coming to the very end of the Gospel of Luke. Over the past few years, Jesus has been engaged in his public ministry. And like the song that we heard a moment ago said, Jesus was a miracle man. People knew about Jesus. He had performed all these miracles. He was a preacher. He was a teacher. He was a sage. He was a prophet. Uh, everybody knew who Jesus was. He was the talk of the town. And so here the people of Jericho get word that Jesus is coming to their community. They're excited. They're thrilled. 
They're, they're on the streets, and they got their cell phones out. They're taking pictures. They're taking videos. They want to get a selfie with Jesus. They got their babies out for Jesus to kiss, right? Okay, maybe not all that, but the people could not be more thrilled that Jesus is coming into their town. But where is Zacchaeus? He's not with the people. He's up in a tree. That brings us to Luke uh, chapter 19, uh, verses 1 through 10. Take a listen to these words. Uh, again, these words are up here on the screen. Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. So he's coming through the entire town of Jericho. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the what? The chief tax collector in the region. And he had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor Lord, and if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, Salvation has come to this home today, for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham, for the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now, the children's song that we talked about earlier said that the reason Zacchaeus was in the tree is that he was a wee little man. Uh, to put it in a more polite way, he was short. And so when we picture this story, or at least when I picture this story, I imagine somebody like Danny DeVito. If ever a movie is made about Zacchaeus, I want Danny DeVito to play the role. So we think of somebody like Danny DeVito. He's rough around the edges. He's shorter, he's jumping up and down, and he's saying, I want to see Jesus. Were you all expecting me to demonstrate this? I want to see Jesus. I want to see, I can't see, ooh, ooh, there's a tree over there. I'm going to climb that tree. Here's the question we have to ask. Why couldn't Zacchaeus see over the crowd? The simple answer is, the crowd refused to let him in. Remember, community was everything back then. People looked out for each other. They had each other's backs. And the truth is, if it had been anybody else in Jericho, they probably would have let that person in. But how did the crowd feel about Zacchaeus? They despised him. He had stabbed them in the back, sold his soul to Rome. Why on earth would they let Zacchaeus get a good look at Jesus? And so it wasn't simply his height that drove Zacchaeus into the tree, it was the rejection that he had experienced from the people around him. And let's be honest, in some ways Zacchaeus deserved that rejection. He had done a lot of wrong. And I think Zacchaeus actually knew that and understood that. He knew that he had done evil. He knew that he had really messed up. In fact, I can't help but wonder if that's why Zacchaeus chose to climb the kind of tree that he did because Luke is very specific. He doesn't say Zacchaeus climbed a generic tree. He doesn't say Zacchaeus climbed 
a tree. Instead, Luke gives us the name of the tree. What kind of tree was it? A sycamore tree, or our translation said a sycamore fig tree. Have you ever seen a sycamore fig tree before? Well, now you have. It's up here on the screen. That's a beautiful tree, isn't it? One thing that we'll notice about this tree is that this tree has lots of branches, which makes it a great tree for climbing. How many of you climb trees? You still climb trees? No? But you climb trees at one point in your life? It's not just a great tree for climbing. It's also a great tree for what? Hiding in. I think that's what Zacchaeus was doing. Zacchaeus was hiding in that tree. Have you ever hid him before? Out of shame and embarrassment for something that you did? When I was growing up, my parents had this um, couch in the living room that was pushed up against the wall, but before the couch hit the wall, there was actually a table that was there, and so you had the table, you had the couch, and what I would do, whenever I did something bad, something I shouldn't have done, maybe I made a big mess, or maybe my brother and I got into a fight, and yes, I would hit my brother whenever we fought, what I would do is instead of saying, I messed up, I'm sorry, I would run, and I would hide behind the couch because I didn't want my parents to see me. I was way too embarrassed. This is what we do as human beings when we screw up. Sometimes we literally hide. Other times we figuratively hide. Remember the story of Adam and Eve and the Garden of Eden? God gives Adam and Eve free range. He says, you can eat from any tree here in the garden that you want to eat from, just one. There's just one tree in the garden that I don't want you to eat from, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, uh, don't eat from that tree, yet that becomes the very tree that Adam and Eve of their own volition choose to eat from. What happens next? They bite into it. Their eyes are open. They know that they've screwed up. And so instead of saying, I'm sorry, God, God comes walking in the garden, and they're hiding behind some bushes as if they could actually hide from God. This is what we do as human beings because we don't want our brokenness exposed. Here's Zacchaeus. He's hiding away in that sycamore fig tree, but here's what I want us to notice. Jesus sought Zacchaeus out. This is what Jesus does. When we hide away in our sin, Jesus seeks us out. Jesus sees Zacchaeus up there, and he calls him by name. He doesn't say, hey, tax collector. Hey, guy with no friends. Hey, guy who's despised. He calls him by name, and then he invites himself over to Zacchaeus' house. Now think about this with me. If I were to invite myself over to your house, how would you react? If I were to come up to Pastor Barbara and Ty and say, hey, Pastor Barbara and Ty, I'm going to be a guest in your home today, you know what they would say? They would say, what a tremendous honor that Pastor Chris Jones, of all people, is actually going to be a guest in our home today. Right? That's what you would say. Pinch me. I must be dreaming. I mean, typically, we don't invite ourselves over to somebody's house. We allow the other person to give us that invitation. But Jesus does this. He invites himself over to Zacchaeus' house. Why? Because Jesus embodies grace. And we don't go looking for grace, do we? Instead, grace finds us. That's what we as Methodists call provenient grace. That's the grace of God that comes before us, the grace of God that goes on ahead of us. We don't go looking for grace. Grace finds us. And God's grace found Zacchaeus hiding away in that tree. 
And God's grace, like a lightning bolt, struck that tree and knocked Zacchaeus down into the acceptance of the Lord Jesus Christ. Nowadays, if we were to go to somebody's house, it's not that big of a deal. Back then, it was a big deal when you went to somebody's house. This is Jesus' way of saying, Zacchaeus, I accept you. You're okay in my book. No wonder the crowd was so upset and had such a visceral reaction given Zacchaeus' behavior. But folks, this leads us to another dimension of God's grace. Not only does God's grace find us where we are, God's grace also comes to us without reserve. Freely. Generously. To every person, it doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter what you've done, what your story is, you could be Mother Teresa or Bernie Madoff. And in some sense, Zacchaeus was the Bernie Madoff of Jericho. He had impacted the lives of so many people through his financial schemes. But in a way that just boggles me, baffles me, Jesus accepts Zacchaeus. And you know what's also really baffling? That the same Jesus who accepts Zacchaeus accepts you and me and everybody. And isn't that what we want most of all and the depth of who we are? We just want to be accepted. You ever heard of uh, Lady Gaga before? <laughs> yeah, Lady Gaga, Pastor Will's favorite musician. <laughs> Lady Gaga is a famous musical artist, uh, as I'm sure we all know, and uh, she has sold just millions of records, uh, I'm sure. And her real name is Stephanie. Well, there was an interview that I watched of Stephanie some years ago uh, that was on MTV, and in this interview, Stephanie recalls the shame and the humiliation that she endured as a high school student at the hands of the more popular kids who bullied her. That's what she said. On one occasion, the boys picked me up and threw me in the trash can on the street on the corner of my block while all the other girls from the school were leaving and could see me in the trash. Imagine that. Everybody was laughing, and I was even laughing. I had that nervous giggle. I remember even one of the girls looking at me like, are you about to cry? You're pathetic. I really wish somebody had been there that day to say to Stephanie, you're not pathetic. You are accepted and you are valued and you are loved by the very one who accepts, values, and loves everybody, even outcasts like Zacchaeus. Because of Jesus' acceptance of Zacchaeus, that changes his life. He comes down from the tree and he says, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord, and if I have cheated people on their taxes, and let's be clear, he had cheated everybody on their taxes. He says, if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will pay back four times the amount. Four times. That probably bankrupted him. So not only was Zacchaeus' life changed, but the whole community of Jericho was changed because it meant that people got their money back. So often we assume in our culture that vengeance brings justice or punishment brings justice, but Jesus demonstrates that grace-based acceptance breeds justice. 
This whole community is transformed. And I love what Jesus says toward the end of the story in verse 9. Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. Who was Abraham? The father of the Jewish people. This is Jesus' way of saying, Zacchaeus was one of us. He too is a child of God. He's reinstating Zacchaeus into community. Folks, this is not just some cute story for kids. This is a story that captures the very reason that Jesus left heaven and came to earth. To seek out wayward people like us hiding in sin. To gather us in. Not to condemn us. Not to tell us how bad we've been. Not to point the finger in our face. But rather to accept us. And by accepting us, saving us. Or as the Apostle Paul says in Romans, it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. So I think it's appropriate that as we close out this sermon and we prepare to come to the table of Holy Communion, that we acknowledge that at this table, like Zacchaeus, we receive the grace that was made known to us through the Lord Jesus Christ. The grace that seeks us out, that finds us, the grace that covers all our sins, and the grace that restores us into community with God and with each other. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen.